0: Well, the good news from this weekend anyway is, is nothing. Well is, is that we had a nice watch party at Doc FC. Okay. It was fun to see some readers and listeners out there, uh, in in Meat World. We got to to hang out and, you know, drink beer and commiserate the, the loss together. And eat tacos. The tacos were really good. Uh Doc FC hooked us up with, with beer specials and uh Jason, you and I got to give away some Heineken soccer balls with yes. pumps. So, uh, I mean that, that part of the day, the local yeah. part was, was I would say, yeah, I was really
1: glad to see that. it was, it was weird because I got there, uh, a little early and sort of set up shop in front of the biggest screen and had my back to most of the bar for a while. And then at halftime I turned back and saw the whole place had filled up and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Um, so uh, it was it was cool to see so many people, um, and it does mean a lot to us that everyone was willing to come out uh, and spend their time, spend their day with uh, some of us from the site. Um, even if the game went poorly, we can't control that, but it is cool to see everyone. Uh, and we'll Hopefully we'll, we'll have a few more of these this year, and maybe one of these times they'll actually go uh, well on the soccer field. Um, but the, 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 the part that uh, was not on the soccer field was I think it seemed like everyone had a good time.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It was, uh, again, thanks to Doc FC and thanks to to everyone hearing this who who showed up and everyone who can't hear this who showed up. And if you didn't, we hope you can make it next time. I know there were a lot of people there this year who didn't come to our event last year. And every single person uh, who hadn't been to, to Doc FC said basically the same thing. I've never been here before. Wow, this place is really great. I'm going to come back here. So that was I I know uh Kieran, uh, the bartender at Doc FC was was happy to hear that and um I guess I get to feel good about introducing a few people to to something they ended up liking. That's something I always like hanging my hat on. Anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson. Hi Adam. And Ben Bromley, who likes to step on my lines. We're all from BlackandRedUnited.com. Uh, where we write about D.C. United mostly. Uh, there's some other soccer stuff there, Washington Spirit, U.S. national teams. But right now, mostly D.C. United, and that is what we're talking about tonight. Uh, the Black and Red lost 3-1 to one down in Atlanta to the Interlopers United. Uh, we're going to talk about that in the second segment. We'll have our good friend Alicia Tolar on to talk about the Houston Dynamo, who D.C. United hosts this weekend, Saturday, one thirty, up at the Maryland Soccer Plex. Before we move any further, though, Benjamin, what are you drinking?
2: I'm going back to an old favorite. I'm going back to tequila and a margarita. I'm doing the margs. Uh, This is actually a marg with a uh, blood orange uh, margarita mix. Interesting. So it's a little more delightful, a little more adventurous than what I normally do, which is just lime juice and triple sec and tequila, but... I threw a little uh a little blood orange uh margarita mix in there. I'm doing a new tequila. I'm doing uh Luna Zool, uh 100% uh agave tequila instead of my normal Tres Agavales 100% agave tequila. And you you've said this doing, like 17 uh, 100... times on the
1: show. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: okay, well I'm we going to continue to say it
0: because I knew you were about to say it.
1: <laughs> okay, well fine. Jason uh, what I am, you I'm I'm also got tequila I'm keeping it su- no did you guys coordinate? Uh, I grabbed the bottle something? that was at the front row of uh my set of liquor bottles and grabbed a glass and walked over here um to the laptop um so the bottle that I grabbed was uh Patron Añejo um and I'm having it neat because uh today's been unpleasant and uh this is probably going to be one of the few unpleasant pleasant things about it. So here we go. Um it's pretty good. Um I have okay. I have a few tequilas to choose from right now, but uh uh I I'm feeling this Añejo as well.
0: That's good. I'm I'm glad some, you found something some, that some minor uh doesn't respite. suck today. <laughs> <laughs> uh I am drinking uh beer from terrapin beer company which is not a maryland brewery almost surprisingly i think it's it's from athens georgia i'm drinking their Executioner ipa uh which it's an ipa it's supposed to have lots of hops and i don't mind that it does uh it's it's pretty good i was going to drink something bigger and badder from clown shoes um anytime i see clown shoes it's mm-hmm. or something from clown shoes it's the the labels are always outstanding the names are always hilarious uh there's always a story that that leaves you asking more questions than you thought you would have not about the beer just about the label so um i i was going to drink that but it ended up being uh, a large format twelve and a half percent abv and the day after the daylight saving change i i just didn't have that in me um to, to try to conquer that beer bottle on my own. So I went with a, a smaller bottle of a smaller beer, and I, I think I made the right choice. So uh, I'm, I'm going to let discretion be the better part of valor tonight. That said, we are still going to try to talk about this DC United Atlanta game. Uh, the Black and Reds' perfect record against the Five Stripes is no more. They fell 3-1. to one. Uh, the one goal was, uh, small consolation very late in the game. Darren Maddox, uh, got a deflected pass in behind the defense and first time shot past the keeper. It was good to see him score something. Um, but generally a bad day for the good guys in front of 72,000 hostile fans. An MLS record. Good job, Atlanta. Um, and I mean that sincerely that that crowd was pretty awesome. Um, but DC United obviously wasn't. We were hoping to see the the team from the first half of the the game against Orlando, the team that, that pressed intelligently and and was able to be uh, dangerous on the counter attack. And instead, we saw something closer to the second half against Orlando, a team that, that couldn't tie its own shoes. And man, that was hard to watch, Ben.
2: Yeah, uh, like I said last week, uh, in the second half of last week's game, the midfield was less than the sum of its parts, and I feel like they were that way from the beginning of the first half. And it's it, it may just be that what we think is the sum of the parts is just not, and this just may be what the team is with these players, and they have to replace the players to make the team better. Uh, Junior Moreno and Ulysses Segura are better than what the team was last year going forward at that central midfield position. They are better passers, but I'm not convinced that they are better defenders, especially Junior Moreno. And we can get into uh, the goal where he dropped off far too much and let uh, Miguel Almiron have just run up to a ball in at the top of the 18, but... um He's defensively he's not playing well enough for a central midfielder, and it's that's where the the where all of the bad parts of this team come right now their central defense is good enough right now it's not excellent, but it's not terrible um and the the linking play to the uh wingers and the uh forwards. You can't do anything if you don't have good play from the midfield. So and
0: I want to I talk about that because starts the, from. the story of this offseason, the moves they made this offseason, they didn't go out and get the the striker we all wanted. Um, and, and some of that may have been down to who was available in the market for what price and and how much of a difference they really would have made. But whatever the circumstances, they didn't go get that. They focused on the midfield and strengthening that and – it it hasn't shown through three of the four halves they they've played. They just, the, the new acquisitions have not, uh, they've left a lot to be desired. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I mean, I think I see the, the raw product that should add up to a good player in both Moreno and Segura. Um, but I also see a very classic people who need to adjust to MLS look, Um, And I think in both cases, the game has been happening very, very fast for them. Um, It's not they're not necessarily comfortable with the speed of play and and specifically when they have to deal with the defensive side of things. Um, The uh, ability to fit into the team shape and understand uh, what their roles are when the ball turns over, I think, is a big problem, Um, especially that's more for Moreno. For Segura, it's been more um, when it's your responsibility to track someone and when it's not. Um, and teams are keying on it. Atlanta seemed uh, more than content to attack uh, that side of the field um, to go at O'Neal Fisher, but also Segura was on the left center uh, midfield for a lot of the game and um, they were dragging him out wide and making him track runners. And he was getting confused and losing them. So um, I think the whole thing is happening very fast for them and they need time to adjust. Um and we're seeing we're in the middle of that waiting for them to adjust period and it's gonna feel um you know, the, these are the growing pains that come with a lot of new signings. It's not often that someone joins the league and is an instant success. Um and I think we might be ow, I just put my tongue. Uh, we might be seeing that. Um uh, Yeah, it, it really has been. Um yeah, uh that's the, the rest kind of the age. midfield, I mean Zoltan <laughs> Schieder kind of- has lost the good form that he was showing in the preseason. Um Yamilas uh, Yamil I think was just muted. Um I think Atlanta knew yeah. what to expect out of him and I also think maybe he was a little I don't want to say sheepish, but it just seemed like a little um in his own head maybe going back to Atlanta um, given the stuff that he said during the week about how much it, his season there meant to him. Um, it's, it's understandable if um, you know, it's, it's a little frustrating of course, but it's understandable that that could happen. Um, Paul Areola. I think it wasn't so much on him, especially since he got uh, a pretty bad tackle in his uh, shin during the first half. But uh, I, f- or actually that was after halftime. Never mind. Um But um, I feel like United did a bad job of getting him the ball, which kind of, it's kind of one of those games where it's all over the, you know, it's, it's the, the players on the field. I think other than Briant, Birnbaum and Osted, you have to say that everyone was pretty bad. Um, But I also you have to say that the game plan was bad because United got to see the blueprint on what to do against Houston or, or against Atlanta from Houston uh, in week one. And they didn't really take any of that and apply it. You know, they weren't feeding Paul Areola the ball in chances where he could run at Greg Garza, which uh, Houston was ruthless about just feeding Albert the over and over again. And United just wasn't using that. They weren't, um, they weren't able to play in the spaces, uh, that were left being, I mean, on the right side, Julian Gressel was pushed up. He was playing as a wing back on paper, but his, uh, action, his heat map basically looked exactly like it does when he plays as a right winger. Um, so, with him pushed that far up the field, with Darlington Nagbe uh, playing right of center a lot of the game, and then with uh, Franco Escobar, uh, their new uh, right back, playing as the right back and right center back in a back three, um, that should have been an didn't much of United feeding the ball there. Either they they just seemed slow and a little. I think not just. Not just unprepared from a game plan perspective, but also a little unprep- unprepared for the intensity of playing Atlanta, um, and the combination of those two things, you you get handled. Uh, if you show up in Atlanta playing with those two problems, you lose. How much do this. you think
0: the? Oh. How much do you think uh, the su- surprise, or at least semi-surprise, three-five-two that Tata Martino threw out? How much do you think that played into it, especially since it was essentially a fullback playing the right side of that three man back line and Greg Garza playing more like a fullback in the wing back position? It was almost like uh their normal 4-2-3-1 just slightly rotated uh to be a little bit of kilt off-kilter on the field. And it it really seemed to throw DC United off. They didn't they they were thinking too much, and I wonder how much of that was was down to a formation they, they um, maybe weren't I mean, expected, to a certain
1: extent. Or, um, you know, at
0: least a look. Uh, Players weren't quite where they thought they were going yeah, to be. Um,
1: and I, I think in, in retrospect, at I'm actually time, they have a to little more, more concerned, did, not so again, much with the dealing with the formation the change, out. because if you look at um, – I saw s- somebody posted a um, a – map of where everyone's uh, actions were centered for Atlanta. And if you look at it, it looks almost like a slightly tilted version of their old formation anyway. So I'm not so concerned about that because I don't, I don't think Atlanta was all that concerned. I think they just wanted to have Mm -hmm. three people back to prevent counters because that's what's killed them against United in the past. Um, What, what worries me is that Atlanta did their normal thing by throwing numbers and getting themselves out in front they got the goal and then they, they stopped high pressing until halftime and United they said, okay, United, you figure us out now. Um we're gonna be the ones that that defend from the center circle, and we're not gonna have that high line of contention. And if you look through the passing figures, United you know, it's it's funny because there's a lot of frustration about United's uh possession and inability to break Atlanta down, but their passing figures are pretty good. Um their passing accuracy is a team was 80%. Um, so it wasn't like they were bad in terms of connecting passes. It was the type of passes they were able to connect were very conservative. They were not able to break Atlanta down. And so there's a lot of sideways passing, um, a lot of passing amongst the defenders. O'Neill Fisher had 90 touches in this game, um, which is way more than everyone else on the team. Um, and that was by design. Atlanta wanted that to happen. And it did happen. And uh, it meant that United finished the game with one shot. They, their one shot before halftime one shot attempt before halftime was that last second Nick DeLeon header from a corner kick. Um, and right. And that kind of says everything is that Atlanta, you know, they did their normal. I mean, they changed mm-hmm. formation, Let's but they attacked the, first the game thing. in the same with the same methodology until they got their goal. And they said, okay, here comes the real curveball," And it's, We're not going to come high-press you. We're not going to give you what you're good at. We're going to make you break us down, and United did not know what to do about it. And, you know, a part of that is not starting Lucho Acosta. Um, But a part of that, too, I don't know that it would have made that much of a difference because the whole team just seemed – their passing isn't really – they don't think quickly enough to break lines, so they have to just connect rather than try and break lines. So it's always like the sideways pass comes because it has to come because otherwise it's going to be a turnover. Um, and the other thing is they've been passing themselves into blind alleys a lot. Um, and you end up, it ends up being easy to um, work. You, you know, United might connect six or seven passes in a row on an attack, but they don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then you work them into a spot where it's easy to disrupt it. And the ball is given away. And then you're, you are um, you know, United's back on the back foot again. So um, I think we're seeing a lot of, an unfamiliar group. I mean, it is still a very unfamiliar lineup Um, struggling for that comprehension as a unit. But I also think the, the game planning from the coaching staff needs to be a lot better because there was a, there's a way to, to beat this Atlanta team as they are comprised and United just wasn't up for it.
3: Yes.
0: I want to say the, the team movement generally off the ball was was bad for this whole game. The number of times you would see a player with the ball in midfield and there was just nobody moving. It looked like an NBA ISO offense uh, rather than uh, soccer out there at times. And there would be plays where you know, instances where players would try to pass and combine. I know Atlanta's first goal, that, that counterattack, uh, came when – I I guess Assad and and O'Neal Fisher tried to combine on the the left oh. side and it was really just the two of them and they were both kind of standing still and trying to make something happen against three defenders and nobody well, was and, rotating and over to the, help the the ball nobody was trying to run uh, into a lane Fisher
1: it was, steps up to there's a kind of it a was well, emblematic of this up, game in a lot of ways um, and he walks himself into trouble um, but right but on the other hand like as much as You know, Fisher had a pretty rough game. I think everyone agrees with that, Um, which was also a theme in this game. He walked himself into trouble. But also, if you look at there's a moment where you can see um, that he's stepping to the ball and there isn't a readily apparent option for him. And so he he walks himself into trouble after probably taking a glance and and not seeing an obvious passing option. Because if one of those comes up, he's Mm -hmm. probably not taking that touch into the crowd. He's probably just one timing a pass to somebody. Um, and that's kind of emblematic of the team wide issue, which it's, it's the, you know, they're just a little slow of thought as compared mm-hmm. to their opponents, you know, Orlando was all over them in the second half because they, they worked incredibly hard, but they were also faster mentally. And Atlanta was definitely faster mentally from start to finish. Um, maybe, maybe from start until like the 80th minute when Atlanta decided that the game was over and, uh, stopped playing. Um, and then, well, Stop playing and also gave United a goal. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a very, it's it's frustrating to see yes. because I Thank think you Jeff this group who has otherwise the talent is and in the, the best mental ability to play better soccer than this, but they're not there yet. Not, and I don't know if it's just something that's going to take a few weeks for them to get it together or if it's going to be something where the... The scheme in place in terms of training them and on how to attack as a group is is just not hacking it. I, I don't know at this point, but um, I know that if we're still having this kind of if we're see- still seeing this performance in, you know, late April, early May, then uh, we've got a long, long, long season in front of us because uh, they've got to go. They've got to improve and they've got to improve pretty quickly.
0: So we talked a little bit about Junior Moreno earlier, but I do want to pile on a little bit here and and ask whether... I mean, Jason answered this earlier. I want to know, Ben, whether you think uh, Moreno was exposed. You mentioned the the second goal where on the break he kind of just follows uh, Joseph Martinez without a chance to do anything if there was a, a ball to Martinez. Loses Almarone and ends up 10 yards off of him enough room for Almirón to do what he does on the third goal. He, some of this was down to a pretty clever short corner by Atlanta, but he ends up too far off of Almirón to prevent the service that became, uh, the headed goal by Vialba. Um, he, he was particularly slow of thought in this game. And I, I'm curious whether you think he was exposed or, or if, as Jason said earlier, you think he's got, uh, some room to grow and adjust and, and, be a successful player in this league.
2: I mean, uh, things can be two things. I think he still has room to grow, but I definitely think he was exposed and I don't think that he has done enough to uh, not start Chris Durkin. Um, I think that the central midfield at this point is well in flux. Uh, I don't think uh, Moreno or Segura has done enough there to, stop anybody from challenging them and if Kanaus is healthy next week if uh Durkin is obviously healthy so I want him to be in the mix but if Ben Olsen trotted out a Durkin Kanaus uh central midfield I, I would be down with that I think it would be not only what I want to see but I also think it would be deserved based on the play so far uh Moreno has been fine um in his pass accuracy but his um he has not been his, his positioning has been terrible. Uh, he should have been able to not maybe he didn't maybe he couldn't have stopped Almirón from scoring that goal but he could have at least not dropped so deep and because uh, the center backs had the deep players, he could have not dropped so deep and then uh, at least tried to uh, prevent Almiron from from uh, ripping that shot and could have still gone in. Almiron's a great player, but he was he was too deep on that play, and so that combined with what else has happened, I think Durkin has earned a shot, and maybe Canals uh, if he's Canals he- definitely if he's healthy has earned another shot to uh get on the field. So, the yeah,
0: the latest on Central
2: midfield is not nearly as so- as solid as we thought it was going into the season.
0: Uh the latest word on Russell Knauss, I think is that he's in training right now, um fully training, but yes. he missed all of preseason. And so right. he Which, he yes. got back right before the first game. Right. Uh just over a week ago. So he is yes. currently trying to build that fitness and and get into shape for a game, which maybe we see him on the bench this week. But I'd be shocked to see him start. Um, I, Although, I
2: mean, hell, even if he can go sixty minutes I now, mean, I, I mean, I'd like to yeah, see I, him go sixty minutes. And then I'm not if sure. You he bring can't in it. Moreno for the other thirty minutes. Uh, maybe not, but.
0: I mean, I'm with you, though. What, what, what's I, been I, happening I, hasn't worked? I think we have zero listeners who would object right. to Christian. And, even, you know, I, I yeah, think even that 45 a lot minutes, of things need know. to be on I mean, the table, whether
1: it's just replacing been, Moreno with Durkin, um, whether it's uh, bringing Durkin in for Segura and playing with two defensive midfielders, because for the time being, Moreno needs the help. Um, maybe, the, maybe it's that. Um, uh, well, I think it came a little... That, that shift yeah. came a little later in the season. Um, yeah, that was
0: the shift but, last you know, year around Maybe this time we have to go that way.
1: Um, it, you know, Ol- olsen has got a they tough can- call to make because on one hand, he right. clearly wants to play four-one-four-one. He wants that to be the team's uh, system, but at the same time, or I shouldn't say system, I should say formation. Um, but at the same time, uh, they can't really let this home game go by. Like they might need to just go for the points this week and then get back to building long term uh, next week because the schedule gets really tough after this game. And on top of that, you know, we've still got many uh, other road games uh, between now and the next home game um, and then many road games after that as well. So um, the opportunity to get enough points to stay afloat uh, and to stay in touch with the rest of the East, um, it kind of hinges on these two home away from home games. And I think, also needs to be thinking about that uh, because the, the mid central midfield right now has been a major vulnerability. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Lucho starting uh, over Stieber since we're talking about the whole central midfield. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me to see, um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Ian Harkes, uh starting over Segura. Um, even though we talked, you know, in the uh, off season yeah, about the team struggled defensively with Harks in the, in the game last year. He wasn't making the outright individual. It wasn't like we could pinpoint this is where Hark's lost his man, and then they scored a goal three seconds later, um, which is what we can do with Segura and Moreno. So um, I think all of those guys need to be. Yeah, you know, I, I almost feel like starting with training because t- they head off today um, to recover. So tomorrow training, uh, tomorrow's training session, all of those players should be, uh, you know, in line for potentially starting. It should be up for grabs right now um, because. The play from those two players specifically um, is it's not just they're playing badly. It's they're playing badly in moments where they absolutely can't play badly. Um, It'd be one thing if they were just below, you know, if they were a 6 out of 10 for the whole game, you wouldn't be seeing glaring mistakes that led to goals. But what we're seeing is, you know, pretty decent stuff most of the time. I mean, Moreno was like like a 90% passing accuracy. I think he connected every single um point of uh, every time he tried to switch the point of attack he he hit his man uh correctly so um those things are all really good but in critical moments they're they're making mistakes that can't be made and DC is being punished for it and you know yes Almirón's goal is a great goal but um for a defensive midfielder to not occupy that space against Miguel Almirón in MLS is criminal like you have you, it has to be like job number 1 like I'm running like you it has to be among like, I'm running, I'm breathing, uh, my eyes are open. Okay, I have to go near where Almarone's gonna be on that this uh break forward. Um it's you know, these are not difficult things to avoid, and it's killing DC. I mean, maybe they get away with um you know, maybe they get away with only losing one nothing this week if if they're a little better. Uh maybe they get away with one nothing uh a win in Orlando if those guys are a little sharper. Uh, in those critical moments. So it's not small mistakes piling up over the course of a game. It's individual big mistakes that are, you know, they're this is a major factor. And this is not uh, a team that's going to be good enough where they can just shrug off like, oh, we lost some points. No big deal. Um, I feel like this is a team that if they're going to the playoffs, it's going to be they're going to probably need like a point or a win on game 34 in Chicago. So it's going to be that run that close. And these points have me worried already, even though we're still in March.
0: Yeah. You weren't kidding about the schedule uh, getting tougher after this one. Um, The next game is at Columbus uh, who have scored five goals. Yeah, scored five goals in two games, uh, currently top of the east. Uh, right. after that a trip to sporting Kansas City, followed by a trip to Toronto, who, of course, are holding three trophies and playing for a four, potentially playing for a fourth in the near future. And then another game against Columbus this time in Annapolis. Um after that, you know, we we do get Philly and a trip to Real Salt Lake, neither of whom uh I, I guess Philly has a win under their belt, but the I don't expect them to be good this year and RSL has underperformed, but there's a long time between now and those games and uh, it, it's not going to be an easy path. DC United needs to figure this out and they need to get some points against Houston, whether or not they figure it out come, you know, by, by hook or by crook, they need these points against Houston. Um, anything else you guys want to bring up before ahead, we buddy. check out and bring uh, Alicia on?
2: I mean, we've, we've talked around it a little bit, but, but the fullback play of O'Neill Fisher was really bad. And they, they need, uh, either Joseph Mora to get his, uh, his visa approved or for Taylor Kemp to miraculously become healthy again. Well, I think O'Neill Fisher cannot be a starting. I mean, fullback I think for
0: Fisher is. Yeah, one of those is more likely than the other, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Fisher
1: is yes, jo- capable Joseph, of a lot is I way more. I think this likely. was a particularly bad performance from him. Um, but uh, I do think that if – because Mora was in training last week, um, and if he has his visa by game day, then um, I would imagine that there's a chance that it's going to be um, – they're going to work with him with the first team at least some other time this week to see if they can get him up to speed. Because if Fisher plays like this against uh, Elise and Houston next week, it's going to be a very long day at the Soccerplex um, because that's not a that's not a level of play that you can afford against a team with a right winger of that quality. So go ahead.
2: Well, and they had, right. the protect, they had to switch the fullbacks to protect – they had to switch uh, the fullbacks to protect Fisher. They had to switch uh, Nick DeLeon to the other well, side because – It's funny though because uh, – Fisher was just that exposed. Right, that, but it's uh, funny because,
1: you know, Nick had on the other side, DeLeon also struggled. Um, so, d- you know, during the game, I actually said out loud, I was like, who are they actually protecting here? I mean, it's probably Fisher, but um, you can make an argument that both players needed a break from the side of the field they were on. Um, which
0: is yeah, I was giving each of them a different challenge or, or that maybe lined up better with. I their, think it was desperation. It sets, was just like we have them to across something the
1: before halftime because this is this is bad.
0: Um, also, that the
1: the only other thing that I can go ahead. Yeah,
2: I guess. Or oh, all I can say is like even if if Mora isn't eligible uh, next week. You have to consider him? because the yeah. fullbacks have been bad enough that on either side you just have to consider Odoyachem it, because the, it's been that bad.
0: You're not wrong. That's a I mean, that's a position where anything has to be on the table, just like you central know, it, midfield. It, I was trying to think uh, of at this positive point. things to
1: say uh, at some point during this segment or earlier, and the only things I could think of were that David Osted was good. Um Briant and Burnbaum look uh pretty solid. Um, I don't think this game yeah. was on them. Um, I think that they did pretty well considering yeah. the uh, the difficult task they've been handed for the yeah. last 135 minutes of soccer by the, the players in front of them and now around them. Apparently, it's just slowly creeping back um, and surrounding them like a horror movie. Um, and the other positive I'd say is, um, you know, Darren Maddox, uh, as much as he didn't really look involved for much of the game, managed to get himself on the score sheet, which I think for him is it's going to boost his mentality um, more than just having a good performance without a goal would have. Um, I think having a good game without scoring after having last week's uh, missed chances, I think that would have started to weigh on him pretty heavily, but getting a, getting a goal, regardless of how the goal came, um, I think that means something for him. And I think uh, I'm expecting him to show some, Some psychological boost from the fact that he got himself on the score sheet. Uh, I think we'll start to see that next week. So those are positives. I mean, last year, certainly center back play and striker play were such negatives that it's nice to see those things trending into a better place than they were last year. Uh, It's just, you know, what goes on between those guys happens to be just slightly important.
0: I'm tempted to end the segment there just because it's a good note, and I like ending things on good back notes. But I, I can't. I have to, have to dive back in and and say I really am was disappointed that that Ben Olson didn't put Lucho on at halftime. the The first half was bad enough that <laughs> tweaks tweaks weren't going to do it, and uh, the best halftime right. speech in the world wasn't going to do it there needed to be a real change and it could have been for Segura. It could have been for Stieber. Um, but, but Acosta needed to come on earlier than he did. And I know there's, there's been reports yeah. that his fitness isn't, isn't there, but I, I would have to think he had 45 minutes, especially a second, 45 minutes in his legs and holding him out until the the 62nd minute is way too late in that game. The game was done at that point. Or it wasn't done, but it was yeah, it was getting away from DC United it was, and it was no, done it was shortly done. after that.
2: No. No, it was done, and Benny just got that wrong. I mean
0: well, the, the goals didn't come. The, the done second done and third time. goals didn't come until a few minutes after that. Um if my it, memory is correct. But, no,
2: but it, your memory is correct, but it doesn't matter. It was the game was done because he didn't make that and that decision, and then the goals came and it was too late to change anything. It, so the changes need to happen bef- at halftime, and they didn't. Yeah, happen-
1: it's I don't understand the option to. I mean, maybe it was a maybe the thought process was that psychologically there could have been um, some benefit to giving them one more chance to show that they'd sorted it out. And, and I will say that if there were ten good minutes in the first eighty minutes from DC United, they were the ten minutes after halftime. Um, but I think we can all agree that if Lucho even had like 55 minutes in his legs, he should have been starting this game um, both for his success okay. against Atlanta in the past. And the fact that their central midfield consisted of a guy who can't chase chase Lucho, a guy who doesn't pile up defensive actions and an attacking midfielder. Um, this should have been a game in which uh, United was feeding Lucho on a regular basis and the fact that they didn't go that way is uh, it's it's strange And unless that concussion that he had in the preseason has cost him the time to, to stay fit uh, enough, um, which is speculation on my part. I'm not, you know, I'm not basing that on anything. It's just I'm grasping for straws at why he wasn't started in this game. Um, the yeah. week in week one, I could kind of see it or, or he was suspended, but also. Um, Stieber had played so well that I could see that justification, but Stieber didn't play that well against Orlando. And, uh, by halftime, I think it was clear that, um, you know, even Stieber has said that he feels more comfortable on the wing than in the middle. And I think we're starting to see why. Um, and I think this week against Houston, um, I think Lucho's fitness is probably fine. And even if it's not, more than 60 minutes fine. He's got to be in from the start because this team needs his, uh, ability to break, tra- break through traffic with the ball at his feet. Um, right now they need that spark that he brings and, um, that goal threat, because right now the only player that's the only players that have really looked goal dangerous on the entire team after two games are, or is Darren Maddox. I should, I shouldn't say there are yeah. multiple players. It's Darren Maddox has been the only player who looks like a threat to, um, be involved in goal scoring frequently. Um, So United needs that uh, boost. They need that help. So um, I expect him to be starting uh, this Saturday, and I think everyone is probably on board with that. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion by any stretch because um, you know I I don't want to come down too harshly on Stieber. It just he looks like someone who is less comfortable in the middle, especially in this formation where he's not just in the middle, he's also a little deeper. If they were still playing 4-2-3-1 and he was closer to goal, I think he might – be a little more comfortable with the, the amount of freedom there, but having to play a little further back in, in the four, one, four, one. I think that, that, that takes him off of his game in, in some ways. And we're kind of seeing that, um, especially against teams, because, you know, in the preseason, we were playing against teams that mostly had to sit in uh, and defend. Um, We only played one MLS team in the preseason. So, um, the teams that are going to come out and come after him in central midfield, maybe we're seeing why he feels more comfortable in the wing. So, yeah, um, that's a change that I think. I think that one's the most clear thing to do in central midfield. Is that change needs to come uh, without any doubt. It's just what happens with the other two positions that is maybe up in the air.
0: Yeah. So lots, lots of choices for Ben Olsen, and not the the good everyone's performing well choices that I'm sure he would have preferred. But that's why he gets paid the money to to do this. And this weekend, he has to get it right. DC United will host Houston Saturday at the Soccerplex. And we will be right back with uh, Alicia Tolar to preview that game. Stick around. This is Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell Uh, me.
2: Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is our goats hostile?
0: Welcome back. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Um, we're already breaking. This is about how the show's <laughs> going right now. Uh, DC United has their first, I guess we have to call it a home game this Saturday, 1:30 at the Maryland Soccerplex up there in Boyd Maryland. If you're not among the hardy 5,000 that will make it into the Soccerplex, uh that there that there's physical room for up i270 you can watch it on news channel eight uh they'll be welcoming the houston dynamo to town and that means it's our turn to Uh, welcome
3: welcome. (laughs) we're always welcome
0: (laughs) that means we are welcoming alicia tolar our good friend from dynamo com. alicia welcome back
3: hi how's it going
0: uh not great but you know we're making do
3: i've missed you guys
0: yeah, it's been a long off-season. We only get to talk to you once a year now.
3: I know, it's kind of sad.
0: We still
2: blame
3: you for Andre now.
0: <laughs> That's true.
3: It sounds like a personal problem.
0: It is. It, it, still, it, it is. It continues <laughs> to accept. be a
3: personal problem. How many years now?
1: We could no, have done no, to have no. less counting? Not <laughs> enough
3: years.
2: <laughs> but yes, it is a personal problem. I agree.
0: Alicia, what I, are you drinking tonight?
3: I am drinking um, some coffee liqueur from Willie's Distillery, which is a local whiskey place here.
0: It's a fantastic name.
3: It's phenomenal. It's so good. So, yep.
0: When you say phenomenal and so good, do you mean the name or the actual distillery? Both. Okay. I accept. So, your, your Dynamo did to Atlanta in week one what Atlanta did to D.C., Last weekend, and uh, then they went out and lost to a Vancouver Whitecaps team nobody really expects to be very good this year. Which one is the the real Dynamo that, that you should expect to see going forward?
3: I think probably somewhere in between the two, unfortunately. Um, I would love to say it was the one against Atlanta, but um, I followed the Dynamo for too many years to allow myself to believe that that's the real Dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> um but they looked really good against Vancouver, and really it was less about Vancouver beating them and more about them beating themselves. Um and missing a lot, you know, all of the shots they took pretty much. Um The number of shots
0: from inside the box that the Dynamo put off frame <laughs> was frankly mind boggling and a little it, bit scary.
3: It yeah, it was um if they were accurate, it would be They'd be top of the league, no problem. But, um, that is not the case, unfortunately. Um, which again, leaves them kind of somewhere in between the two instead of at the top. For sure.
0: One guy who, who I think performed pretty well in both games is Albert Elise, who also started real hot last year before fading with the rest of the team. Uh, is Elise better this year, and and are you expecting him to keep up the level of danger that he's provided in these two games?
3: He has looked really great these two games. It's been pretty exciting. Um, I think he worked pretty hard on the off season, um, and I am really hoping that there isn't a fade out like there was last year. Um, they won't. Um, Honduras isn't going to the World Cup, so I think that'll help some as well. Because um, last year those guys, you know, were doing a lot of World Cup qualifiers and stuff like that. So I think it'll allow them to focus just on the Dynamo, which will really help going forward.
1: Uh, Alicia, um, looking at last week, it looks like in in this game against Vancouver – um Wilmer Cabrera went with uh Machado as a right back just to sort of deal with the fact that Vancouver pretty much exclusively plays long balls and tries to win set pieces with uh, a bunch of giant dudes. Um that's kind of their whole game plan. Um but with uh Felipe Senderos going off injured at halftime, do you think uh Machado is is going to revert back into the middle or are they going to try and bring in somebody else at center back?
3: Um I'm not sure that it's so critical that we won't see Senderos back on against mm-hmm. DCU. Um, I haven't really seen anything on it, to be honest. Um, so I'm inclined to think that he will be playing this weekend, but I wouldn't swear to it. Um, I also think right now they're kind of just rotating around, trying to figure out what the ba- best option at right back is until AJ Delagarza Garza heals up from his torn ACL from last year. And can be back on the field.
1: Uh, what do you think? I mean, um, Kevin Garcia has gotten most of those minutes in the season. What do you think of him so far?
3: He has been okay. Um, I don't really see him as a long-term starter. Um, he makes too many mistakes and is a little on the slow side sometimes. I feel like um, there was at least one of the go- well, there was one of the goals, um, the second Vancouver goal. Um, started from his mistake. Um, and
0: hey, in in his defense, Brexche scores one of those goals where it's just an impossibly long run. Uh, he he scores one of those every enough. year.
3: <laughs> and yeah, you just happen to be the to victim score it this time. Us. No, doesn't but now have to He's done. You'll never
0: hear from Brexche again this year.
3: I kind of didn't even remember that he was out there until. <laughs> Um, one of my friends posted a picture that she ran into him in town, um, and got a selfie with, with him. And I was like, Oh yeah, he is still with Vancouver. Yeah. I had kind of forgotten about him a little bit, to be honest. Um, so that came back and bit me in the ass really quickly. (laughs) So
2: Alicia, what's your opinion on the goalkeeping situation? Is Joe Willis the answer? Is uh, Chris Seitz coming back? Is it uh, what is going on with that goalkeeping situation?
3: Chris has played really well so far. Um, I think he has played himself into keeping that position for now. Um, I don't know if Tyler Derrick is ever going to become unsuspended. I hope Um, not
2: because he sounds like a terrible person. (laughs)
3: Yeah, Um, and if he does, you know, it started out with Willis starting last year, so he's never been a total lock in that position for the coaching staff, Um, and that's been less about his play and more about um, off-field and locker room issues. So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if he does make it back, if he ends up as a number two, or if you know, we just never hear from him again.
2: Yeah, and um Oh wait, what was it? Oh oh yes.
3: And and with you Willis know, as ahead. much as much as I love Angry Joe Willis, um
2: That's our Angry Joe Willis.
3: I know, I know, but I still love Angry Joe Willis. Um He's great. But my frustrating thing with him is that I think he's a good player, but he's too good to be A bench guy but he's not quite good enough to be a week in week out starter um i think he's he's played some really great games for us but then he's had some real terrible games um and unfortunately there's too many of those um but the good games make you go god this guy cannot be a bench player he's too good so yeah yeah
2: and so um my other question is about the Ageless Wonder. It's about DeMarcus Beasley. <laughs> how, how many starts do you think DeMarcus Beasley gets this year? And who who can take his place? Why is DeMarcus Beasley still getting so many minutes?
3: Because he's an Ageless Wonder. Have you seen how fast he runs? <laughs> like...
2: <laughs> yes, he's great. Who can run I that fast? That's, a, that's the
3: Honestly. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I think it'll depend a little bit on how well the Dynamo do, you know, if it's the end of the season and they're in the playoffs and he's been starting the whole time, I think he'll continue to start. Um, if, and I hope there doesn't come a time where they're out of a playoff chance, then you might start to see Dylan Remick come in just to get more first team minutes. Um, I think the team look at him as the future to take over that position when he has played in place of Beasley, he's actually he's played really well, um, so I think he's kind of seen as the long-term solution if Beasley ever actually gets old. I'm not sure that'll happen, but.
0: Well, I'm really looking forward to maybe with like game.
3: 57. Yeah, there you go.
0: I'm really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to the charity game in ten years when Demarcus Beasley and Landon Donovan are reunited, and they. <laughs> these two some guys just do something ridiculous, just run down the field really fast and score like they used to do, um, back when the U S made world. And
2: that'll, be when, and that'll be when Donovan has unretired for the 15th time.
0: I mean, and he BC will have, this
2: will be, be while he's
1: retired. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. yeah, won't retire.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: What I'm looking forward to is the day that, uh, we we see the portrait of Dorian Gray style thing that, uh, has been aging while DeMarcus Beasley just doesn't. He just has something in his house. It's like, oh, this is horribly
0: decrepit because that's how I would actually be, but uh, I'm fine. Um, It's in his mom's (laughs) attic in Fort Wayne, Indiana. There you go.
3: That's that's the key to the whole mystery.
0: Uh,
2: Alicia, what if it's in my grandma's attic that is also in Fort Wayne?
1: Ben, do you know the secret of... Beasley's uh, aging
0: uh defiance. Ben, do you have a portrait of you yeah. in you say, your grandmother's looking... attic in Port Wayne?
2: <laughs> I mean, my my grandmother has passed, so it's it that's, <laughs> that's not a denial.
0: That's <laughs> not a no. You not. didn't say no, you changed the subject.
3: It's kind of a yes, isn't ben, it? I mean Ben
0: Bromley I, is Dorian Gray. That's, I, that's what I'm hearing.
3: I, I
2: might I might be the warlock that is extending uh DeMarcus Beasley's career. You
3: don't know.
1: That's true. Hey, I can't, that's what's got to happen. You're right. I, we don't know. Um, uh, Alicia, since we're talking about, um, or since we have talked about some of the guys that are maybe on the bench and it's a little puzzling uh, from afar, um, Romel Kyoto hasn't started yet this season, even though Andrew Wenger is getting starts. Um, what's what's happening there? Because I feel like on pure ability, there's a, it's a no-brainer that he should be out on the left wing, but he didn't start the opener. And then in this game against Vancouver, he came in up front for a uh, Minotas.
3: Um, he still is not 90 minutes fit. Um, He's, I mean, obviously when he comes in on the short for the short sub in towards the end of the game, um, he's mm-hmm. doing great, but I don't think he's ready to go for a full 90 yet.
1: So it's, it really is just down to that. It's not a um a coaches thing where they've chosen the, the harder worker, so to speak, uh, and they end up leaving some talent on the bench?
3: Um, I don't think so at this point. I mean, Winger has played really well, and if he continues to Mm -hmm. do that, um, it might become more of a coach's decision. But at this point, I think it comes down to more of um, Kyoto not being ready to do a full 90-plus at this point.
1: Um, Yeah, um, I've been interested because it seems like a lot of the same faces are with Houston, but there are a couple um, players that came in to improve the team. We mentioned Chris Seitz already. Um, Arturo Alvarez seemed like a sneaky, good acquisition. Uh, how do you feel about getting him on board?
3: Um, pretty positive so far. Um, I think he's done pretty well with the team um, You know, in the short time that he's been there. Um, I don't have a ton. Um, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other yet on him. So
1: mm-hmm.
3: that's a non-answer answer for you. <laughs>
1: um, I, I know uh, Cabezas was subbed off early in the season opener. Um, are you pleased with Darwin Saren filling in for him or are you waiting for Cabezas to come back? Uh, you know, is it, is it sort of an urgent situation or do you think it's going to be fine as, as, with Saren in um, there?
3: I don't think it's urgent, um, but I think that Cabezas is the better of the two. Um, I think mm-hmm. um, Saren's done a good job in the interim, but I don't know that he is skilled enough to overtake that starting spot.
1: Um, what do you think of, uh, since Eric Alexander, I mean, last year was kind of interesting. Um, he didn't play for a chunk of the season, but whenever he was playing Houston seemed to play really well. What, what do you think is the secret with Eric Alexander helping the dynamo so much?
3: I don't know. Um, (laughs) You,
0: is he a warlock? He
3: is also a little bit of a warlock in a different way. Okay. Um,
0: is he also Ben Bromley's fault?
3: Probably. Aren't they all? <laughs>
1: um, is this like a Dracula? Is Ben the Dracula of Warlocks?
0: Could be. <laughs> <laughs> His silence is deafening.
3: Um, with Alexander, he I think he does a really good job of becoming whatever the team needs him to be on the field. Um, Some players are just, they play the way they play no matter what. And I think Alexander does a good job shifting his game as needed, um, depending on what's happening and what the team needs him to be in that instance.
0: So broader picture, uh, we know Houston wants to, to counterattack, teams uh that that's how they they made their hay last year and and that's where they looked really good against atlanta they want to get in the open field and and run at you if you were standing across from them how would you game plan against the orange
3: i would i would force the dynamo to possess anytime they dominate possession in a game they lose the game um i'm not gonna say every time but That's usually the quickest stat to look at to see. Like without looking at the score, I can almost tell you just by looking how much they've possessed, whether or not they lost the game. And usually it's if they've dominated possession, they lose the game every time. They just kind of don't know what to do with it once they have it. But if they suddenly get it and counterattack, they can score. Um, So to me, that's kind of the biggest thing is giving them the ball and then just parking the bus and defending um, against them, they just have a really hard time breaking it down
0: so a stereotypical d c united approach
3: <laughs> should have, should work against the Houston <laughs> dynamo
0: that's what I'm hearing uh even though united's trying to play a little differently this year, it's not always exactly succeeding, but maybe they need to go back to the old <laughs> warlock ways. <laughs>
1: Like they were now just doing a warlock show. Yep,
3: vampires. It was only a matter of time. Predator. Predator.
1: (laughs) We didn't put that part in the air, but Predator 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 was also a big, a big part of our thought process every
0: week. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how can it not be? No, (laughs) it's not. (laughs) Ben is not amused. Uh, Alicia, thanks for coming back on the show. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet?
3: Uh, DynamoTheory.com, where I do the blog thing at. And uh, DynamoRTNT on Twitter, on the Twitter.com.
0: Tell us more about this blog thing.
3: I wouldn't recommend it.
0: (laughs) Find us at... It has a lot of goats. Find us at our own blog thing. Uh, did you see United. the goats and
3: sweaters that I sent you earlier today on the Twitter.com, though?
0: We did. Or at least <laughs> I did. They were so yes.
3: cute. Yes. They had little they sweaters. They were
0: adorable. They had even, at, even Adam can confirm that these were good goats. Yeah. They were adorable. I was annoyed.
3: <laughs> and the little one in the middle, just a little shake. It's so cute.
0: Thank you, Alicia.
3: <laughs> I was really proud of that.
0: <laughs> Find us at BlackAndRedUnited.com. <laughs> Send us tweets and read our tweets at at filibuster DCU for the podcast. At, at Black and Red U for the website. Send your emails, preferably without goats. More to goats, all the goats. At gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Internet Archive, Google Play, wherever. Goat Cloud. I don't think that's a thing. Goats. Wherever where wherever you can find podcasts, this really got out of hand. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show uh, when you're gating up at the, <laughs> the soccerplex this weekend. I, ben, why would you encourage people to talk about goats <laughs> instead of this show? Goats. I feel like I feel like the forest has been lost. If they're the listening to
2: the show, they love goats. I, that's if they're already listening. they already love goats. That is Virginia's demonstrably false. For goat
0: false. lovers. Well, I, yeah. I, I'm just not going to touch that one. That's <laughs> there's a lot of dark places that could go and I'm not going to take it. Any of them, uh, <laughs> please, please check out our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash filibuster right now. I think we are one solitary donation away from being compelled to create extra content for your ears. So if you feel like making me talk, into a mic more and interview people that... that How about
3: goats? Will it be goat content? Because I'll donate. <laughs> if I donate, do I get a goat podcast?
1: It could
0: be arranged.
3: <laughs> yes! <laughs> I
0: regret every decision that brought me to this point. It's a lot of them. you got to think <laughs> very long and hard about your life. I'm going to go have the the least restful sleep I've ever had after this, I think. <laughs> patreon.com slash filibuster Um, I'm just sad right now (laughs) I'm laughing so I don't cry for Jason and Ben and thanking Alicia through tears one more time I'm Adam and we'll talk to you real soon possibly more than once a week (sighs) say goodbye Jason Adam
1: you need to stop fighting and learn to love the goats (laughs)
0: I just...